1: The Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We've got a lot to go through today. I'm going to do my best to try and get through everything, but we're going to start right off the bat with the reason you all are here. And it's not to listen to my dulcet tones because my voice still isn't where it needs to be. I still have to pause the recording of this podcast to cough. I literally did it just then. There was a break and I coughed and now I'm back. We are going to do QB Stew. Bruce, you're late. Why didn't you do it before? Because my wife wasn't here before and my wife helps me compile it. So this year, I have been utilizing Mrs. Nolan as a research assistant to help me compile QB stew and it goes a lot faster and she has been out of town. So instead of a post week 12 QB stew, you get a post week 14 QB stew. I make no apologies. It's my stew. I can do what I want. It's my stew. And I'll cry. If I want to cry, if I want to die, if I want to, you would cry stew if it happened to you. So let's, talk. As a reminder, QB Stew is a proprietary composite. is a metric amalgamation that I concocted in an effort and attempt to have the flaws of one metric accommodated in the formula by the presence of another metric. It is an average of a quarterback's rankings amongst their peers. In this case, their peers who have 200 or more dropbacks in 2022 which means there are 33 quarterbacks who qualify because the Washington Commanders have two quarterbacks who qualify with 200 dropbacks with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. Every other team has one quarterback who qualifies. So here are the metric amalgamations that are used. We take the composite made up of QBR, passer rating, average net yards per attempt, EPA per play, DVOA, PFF grade and CPOE, which is completion percentage over expectation. Without further ado, let's give you the results. We have a new leader at the top. Buffalo Bills fans were likely frustrated to see that Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa had previously occupied the number 1 spot on this list for good amount of time but not this time number one jalen hurts quarterback philadelphia eagles hurts is fourth in qbr first in passer rating third in nea third in epa per play fifth in dvoa third in pff grade and second in cpoe jalen hurts number one tua number two three patrick mahomes fourth geno smith fifth joe burrow sixth Joshua Patrick Allen. Josh Allen is third in QBR. He is 10th in passer rating. He is eighth in average net yard per attempt. He is fifth in EPA per play. He is eighth in DVOA, first in PFF grade, and 19th in completion percentage over expectation. That gives him a stu- composite score of 7.71. To put this in perspective, he was fourth the last time we did this. But what has happened to Josh Allen since the last time we did this? Well, he's had a run of turnovers. In the last seven games, he's thrown seven interceptions and had two lost fumbles. And that has pulled down his passer rating to 10th, which was fourth before. And his DVOA fell to eighth, which was also fourth before. So that, combined with the improved play from Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, they jumped him, they pushed The signal caller for the Buffalo Bills to sixth in QB stew this time around. We're going to round out the remainder of the group seventh, Jacoby Brissett, eighth, Jimmy Garoppolo, ninth, Jared Goff, tenth, Andy Dalton, eleventh, Dak Prescott, twelfth, Trevor Lawrence, thirteenth, Ryan Tannehill, fourteenth, Justin Herbert, fifteenth, Kirk Cousins, sixteenth, Derek Carr, seventeenth, Lamar Jackson. Daniel Jones is at 18, Tom Brady's at 19, Aaron Rodgers is at 20, Marcus Mariota at 21, Justin Fields, 22, Kyler Murray, 23, 24 is Matt Stafford, 25 is Taylor Heineke, 26 is Mac Jones, 27th is Kenny Pickett, 28th is Matt Ryan, 29th, Russell Wilson, 30th, Carson Wentz, 31st, Davis Mills, 32, Zach Wilson, 33, Baker Mayfield. One 98-yard game-winning drive after two days with the Rams cannot save Baker Mayfield from being the bottom of the list. A couple other items of note. Marcus Mariota falls back to earth. He was ninth the last time we checked in on QB Stew post-week eight, based largely on the effectiveness of his rushing. We pointed that out when we were evaluating him. We said, hey, there's a volume issue When it comes to him throwing the ball, he was only throwing the ball at the time about 22 times per game, but his QBR EPA per play and DVOA were all showing up in the top 10 of NFL quarterbacks, mostly because of the inflation due to rushing. But since then he's fallen to 21st in QB stew and the metrics that were previously booing him up have all regressed into the mid to low teens. So the passing-focused metrics were already below average. Then the rushing is no longer propping him up. So the Falcons rightfully made the move to see what they have in rookie Desmond Ritter. Jalen Hurts surges to the top. If the Eagles finish with the best record in football and Hurts remains on the top of the list, he becomes a pretty solid bet to win the NFL MVP. He's currently top five in every single metric that makes up stew and while no quarterback is currently approaching elite stew stuff like Aaron Rodgers last year 1.57 stew crazy Matt Ryan 2016 1.43 stew remember lower is better the number one quarterback in the NFL in stew right now is Jalen Hurts at three But Hertz is still showing well-rounded results for a top team, and in a year where you don't have that one singular dominant quarterback that's a shoe in I would put my faith in him if the results continued to persist. Jared Goff had a good start to the year, was 12th in QB stew, and then slipped down to 14th a little bit after week eight. Now, after week 14, he's back up to ninth. The fact that Amon Ross St. Brown, the star second-year receiver, was intermittently unavailable for portions of the middle of the season make a lot of sense, considering he's the stay-on-track, right? He's the Cooper Cup of that offense. And now they're getting Alabama star Jamison Williams into the fold. The Lions are having a good offense. I think that, I mentioned this before on Twitter, but I think Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is a star, and I think he's going to get head coaching interviews this offseason. So that's where we're at in regards to QB Stew right now. Just figured I'd go ahead and just start it off with that. But I also want to talk a little bit about Gregory Rousseau. So last week, I wrote an article for BuffaloRumblings.com because in the absence of Von Miller, the eyes turned to Gregory Rousseau and what kind of impact they think that he might make in the absence of that star pass rusher that you paid big bucks for this previous offseason. Well, Gregory Rousseau had a pretty good game against the New York Jets. He had four pressures, two sacks, two hurries, a batted pass. Greg Rousseau made meaningful contributions to the Buffalo Bills pass rush in the absence of Von Miller. But even before that, There was encouraging moments. There were encouraging signs amongst Gregory Rousseau's advanced metric. Coming in to that game, he had accumulated six sacks and 27 pressures in only nine games. Remember, he missed some games. He was 10th in the NFL in pass rush win rate. He was winning even if he only had six sacks. In fact, his rookie year, Rousseau had a pass rush win rate of 13.8, which was 57th in the NFL. And we talked about Rousseau needing to learn to utilize the tools, the length, and the power. He went from 57th in the NFL to 10th in the NFL in pass rush win rate. It took him 17 regular season games in 2021 to accumulate six sacks and 30 pressures. He had almost identical numbers to that in nine games in 2022. He basically is doubling his pace from last year, which is exactly what you want to see. Now, you might think that without Von Miller, there would be a double-team issue with Greg Rousseau. But here's the deal. Von Miller wasn't getting double-teamed nearly as much as you think anyway. Miller had received double-teams on fewer than 20% of his pass rush snaps. 17 pass rushers, who had a meaningful sample size to qualify, were ahead of Von Miller in double-team rate. That's because the guy that I continue to pound the table on, Bill's one-tech defensive tackle, Daquan Jones, is receiving pass-rush double-teams on a significant level. Just shy of 70% of his pass-rush snaps. With only two defensive tackles, Aaron Donald, Quentin Jefferson receiving double teams at a higher rate than Daquan Jones. So you might think, well, without Von Miller, Rousseau can't keep it up. But I predicted last week that he would, and so far we're off to a pretty good start in the one game since I wrote that article for buffalorumblings.com. Just as a quick update, Rousseau is now 18th in the NFL in sacks and 11th in the NFL in pass rush win weight. Again, remember He's missed some games, right? Gregory Rousseau has only played 10 games. Most of the people around him have played 13. So that matters when it comes to cumulative sacks. So we did QB stew. We did Gregory Rousseau. We did the stew and the Groot. Now we're going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes
0: from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge...
1: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We got some emails to get into. Nick sent me an email and said, Bruce, as we are entering the home stretch of the season, I was wondering your thoughts on a few things. Number one, our draft profile changed. The relative athletic score of players drafted this year is significantly higher than previous. James Cook was an 8.76. Devin Singletary was a 1.77. Kyrie Elam was an 8.65. Trey Wright was a 6.72. It seems there's a fundamental shift in what the front office wanted in players, i.e. more scheme versatility. This goes with the growth mindset that McDermott often preaches. Do you think this has made a difference on the field? Have the coverage tendencies changed? Perhaps it was a realization that when playing very fast receivers and mobile quarterbacks, Speed kills no matter how schematically sound you are. Okay, we're going to take this one first before we move on. I'm not sure I agree with the premise. I know that you used Cook and Singletary and Elam and Trey White. But look at players like Tremaine Edmonds, who is the freakiest of the freak. I mean, one of the freakiest athletes in the NFL. Spencer Brown, one of the freakiest tackles in the NFL. Josh Allen, freakety freak. Ed Oliver, freakety freak. All these people were crazy high RAS scores. I don't know that there's been a shift, a fundamental shift. I think they'd always prefer really good athletes. And Singletary was almost an outlier. And Tredavious White is an above average athlete, but not elite. I think that Singletary and White are more of the outliers than there is a shift in philosophy. Because a lot of players have been freakity freak athletes. Dawson Knox is a freakity freak athlete, just coming off the top of my head. But ironically enough, I'd like to point out that a lot of the players who were not really good athletes, players like Cody Ford, didn't necessarily work out. It's almost like athleticism matters in athletics. Nick's second question. Number two, thoughts on Dorsey. My opinion with breaking down zero film and only casually observing, Dorsey adds more formation and personnel variety, excels at feeding digs, and moves him around more to make it more difficult for the defense to remove him but he doesn't do a great job of anticipating the next play call and lacking in situational football. Dable seems to have had better play calls situationally and a better feel for what's coming next, which is expected with his experience. I don't feel comfortable saying which style is better, as I was often frustrated in big games with the lack of involvement of Diggs. I have mentioned on this podcast before that I think that uh, Ken Dorsey is going through some growing pains, but if you can go through some growing pains and still have a good offense, that's ideal. I think that I don't love some of the red zone stuff. And I don't think he's hitting the easy button nearly enough for Josh Allen when it comes to motion and play action. Those are my main points um, when it comes to Ken Dorsey. And those have proven to be pretty stable when I look week over week with Ken Dorsey. Those things have a tendency to continue to stick up. I agree with you. I think I've seen Diggs in the slot. He's been there more this year than he was last year. Last year, he was in the slot in a grand total through 18 games, 206 times. He's already been in the slot 210 times so far this year. So I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. That's a very astute observation on your part. I think that's backed up by the data as well as the eye test. So I agree with that when it comes to Ken Dorsey. I do think he's doing a good job of that. Three, it seems that Frazier is having his best year yet. So many moving parts, injuries, but players are almost always in position. Obviously, bottom of the roster players just can't make the players as starters can, which is okay. I agree with you. We've seen this before. I think Frazier is having a perfectly good year. I do think it's going to be very interesting what the Bills' defense looks against the Miami Dolphins. Specifically, Kyrie Elam. And that brings me into your fourth point. Dane Jackson. I know everyone thinks he's looked bad. But in my opinion, he hasn't been as bad as it looks. He's had to go against top end receivers, and surprise, they make plays. He's in position well. Maybe he doesn't do a great job playing the ball at the catch point when in man, but I wouldn't say he's terrible at it. Seems he hasn't gotten lucky. Same can be said for Taron Johnson, who gave up a few touchdowns. Watching live, it seems he was in great position and played the ball well. Receiver just made some plays. Dane Jackson is fine. I don't think he's as good as Levi Wallace was with extended sample size, but he's fine. I don't think he's garbage. I think he's eh. No, I just, I don't like seeing eh from a number two corner when you drafted a guy in the first round. That's what makes it more frustrating. You draft a guy in the first round, you have a rookie six round pick who came in and played well, and you're just staring at meh over and over again. And that's, that's frustrating. And I do think that Dane Jackson doesn't have the ball skills to play consistently in man. And I think that hurts. You know, I really think that hurts a lot because some corners just don't have a good feel for when to react and usually that comes from a lack of elite level athleticism and body control you know when you're running full speed down the field you know it's, it's hard to get your head around it's time to turn your body around it's hard to play the ball through the hands of the receiver because you're just not an elite level athlete and there's very rare that you find an athlete who's not elite who is capable of doing those things really well in man coverage. It's one of the reasons why elite man corners are so coveted across the NFL because it gives you a lot of options when it comes to defensive play calls, but also it just lets you get away with stuff. You know, you've seen some of the the closing speed that you've seen from uh, Seattle Seahawks rookie Tariq Woolen. He's been lauded because freak physical abilities do matter. Now, obviously the Seattle Seahawks scheme is not, Primarily man-focused, but it matters. Elite athleticism matters in every aspect of football. Evan says he has a lake effect almighty tick. He says, I just saw that Miami brought propane space heaters to their sidelines for the Chargers game. And now the forecast for Saturday night is seven inches of lake effect snow. Remember how Bills fans whined about the sun after week three? Well, the heat miser is out and the cold miser is in. Josh is going to show his children from South Beach he's not disappointed, he's just angry by jumping through their faces over and over again. Josh Allen will break Marion's record for most touchdowns in the first five seasons by throwing six touchdown passes, I think you meant Marino, and showing the world he's back. Trust me, he's back. 42-14 Bills. Diggs, Cook, and Gabe Davis each have a touchdown. Knox has three touchdowns because, of course, he does when he's on my fantasy football bench. Milano sacks Tua, in a play that Dolphins fans call the dirtiest hit of all time, NFL and NFLPA request the footage for future rookie symposiums to illustrate what officials are looking for in a clean and legal hit to avoid roughing the passer penalties. Trey White, Jordan Boyer, and somehow Daquan Jones record interceptions. Tyreek Hill, unfortunately, pulls a Tecmo Bowl, recovering a Groot strip sack fumble, running it back to his own two, and in a horseshoe formation, somehow returns it for a score. He also burns Dane Jackson for an 80-yard touchdown off a bubble screen in one of Tua's nine completions in a game in which he goes 9 of 38 for 127 yards passing. Casey and Cincinnati lose, making the Bills one step closer to locking down the number one seed. I wouldn't be upset. I'm all the way in. Luke sent me a picture from Chiefs fans, and it's a meme. And it looks like a man is drowning At the top of the meme, it says, we're making bad teams look good. We aren't winning by a bigger margin. And the bottom of the meme shows that it's just a man sitting in a very small amount of water with his head above slightly. And it says, 10-3 and record, number two seed in the AFC. And Luke sent me this email with a note that said, I agreed with you the whole time, but look at how other fan bases are freaking out too. NFL fandom is weird, man. The best thing you can do to gain perspective on your own fandom is to make sure you're exposed to other people's fandoms. The best thing you can do to have perspective on your own team is to make sure you're exposed to other people's teams. The best thing you can do to have perspective on your favorite team's games is to watch games that aren't of your favorite team. It is the number one thing that will enrich and pacify your fandom. It will keep you from getting on the roller coaster. All you gotta do is become as much of a fan of the sport as humanly possible. Watch other teams. Follow other beat writers. Follow at 32beatwriters on Twitter. Make sure you're getting exposure to other teams, other fans, because then you'll go, all right. It's it's not that bad. And that meme 100% outlines it. We got plurality pie to get to before we get out of here. Bills, Jets. Gregory Rousseau, 14%. What a game right when you needed him to have that level of game. Dawson Knox, 13%. Matt Milano, 12%. Awesome hit. Legal hit. Clean hit. Hard hit. Josh Allen, 12%. Tremaine Evans, 10%. Continues to have a really good year. Daquan Jones, I need you to understand how rare it is to have a one-tech defensive tackle continually show up on Plurality Pie. There is an argument to be made that if you're listing Brandon Bean's best free agent signings, Daquan Jones is right there. Right there. With the Cole Beasleys of the world. The Mitch Morses of the world. The John Browns of the world. People who have made meaningful impact during their time in Buffalo. And the sample size is still really small for Daquan Jones. Having a great year. Probably the best year of his career. He's becoming the best version of himself in Buffalo. A.J. Epinesa, 7%. A.J. Epinesa has 21 pressures and 6 sacks on 202 pass rush snaps so far in 2022. Gregory Rousseau had 36 pressures and four sacks on 309 pass rush snaps in 2021, his rookie year. Remember the idea that A.J. Epinesa might be a little behind due to body recomposition? Maybe there's something to it. I know last year wasn't the year that you wanted to see from A.J. Epinesa, but this year, looking a little bit like Gregory Rousseau's Rookie year would indicate maybe that learning curve was just a little bit more than one year. Maybe it took a little bit longer for AJ Epinesa to come into his own when it comes to pass rush. Maybe there's merit to the idea that Epinesa would be behind a year or so due to that body recomposition. So something to keep an eye on, but had two pressures, had a sack, had the final pass breakup. Of the game on fourth down. Epinesa gets a little special nod here. Other 24%. Rousseau 14. Knox 13. Milano 12. Allen 12. Edmonds 10. Daquan Jones 8. AJ Epinesa 7. Other 24. Ladies and gentlemen. We did it. We did the plurality pie thing. We did all the things. QB Stew. Gregory Rousseau. Emails. Pie. Pie. All the thing. And now I bid you adieu. And perhaps you wanted me to go longer than 25 minutes. And you said, no, Bruce, give me more. Well, sorry, folks. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumbles.